Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello and welcome to Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Kerry Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the state of Texas, standing by with the latest news in Texas agriculture. The value of Texas agricultural land is rising. I'm Gary Joyner, and I'll have a closer look at Texas land values coming up on Texas Ag Today. Hey, production in East and Central Texas is down this year. I'm Jessica Dolmel. I'll have that story coming up. Deadline approaching for USDA's Coronavirus Food Assistance Program. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Plus, we'll have a look at the latest Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets coming up. But first, here's a look at news headlines. Texas feedlots are still working through backed-up cattle caused by COVID-19-related shutdowns of processing plants earlier this year. And that's reflected in fed cattle prices. Brady Miller with the Texas Cattle Feeders Association says that in the Midwest, feedlots are more current. And they're getting higher money for cattle compared to the prices we're seeing here in Texas. So with the numbers that we have on feed is putting a lot of pressure on our prices in the south. As I said, as you can tell, uh, there's about a $5 difference from the guys in the south, uh, talking south Texas and, and slash Kansas, versus the guys up north in Iowa and Nebraska where they got a buck five last week. So that that's a pretty good indication of, of just kind of that difference in they're cleaned up or not cleaned up. And so our guys are more willing to sell at a, at a lower price. Fed cattle prices in Texas were 102 to 103 last week versus the 105 that we saw in the Midwest. Miller says that price disparity will continue until our feedlots are more current. The cotton market has been on a bullish run lately with prices topping 65 cents, but this isn't expected to last. Cotton demand is still severely lacking because of coronavirus, according to Texas A&M cotton marketing specialist John Robinson, and he says that's going to be a long-term problem for the cotton market. That's definitely the thought, and there's there's evidence to back that up. So, yeah, back in April, we thought, hey, maybe this will all be done by Memorial Day. But but in April, you know, people were very uncertain, and there were laws restricting things being open. And so, you know, apparel, clothing was the last thing probably on anybody's mind. And that was reflected in uh, U.S. retail sales for apparel in April were down 80%. Texas A&M cotton marketing specialist John Robinson. The value of Texas agricultural land is rising. Gary Joyner takes a closer look at Texas land values. The U.S. Department of Agriculture has released its 2020 Land Values Report. The average value of Texas agricultural land, including buildings, is up 2.4% this year at $2,170 per acre. The average cash rent for Texas cropland is $43, an increase of 1% from a year ago. The increased values in Texas are in contrast to the same figures for the entire U.S. Those average values from across 
across the country are either unchanged or are lower from 2019's record highs. The average value of U.S. cropland, including all land and buildings on farms, was $3,160 per acre for 2020. Cash rental rates for U.S. cropland averaged $139 per acre in 2020. Economists with the American Farm Bureau Federation say the stability in agricultural land values and cash rents occurs amid continued pressure on farm income and commodity prices. Many had expected to see some downward pressure on those values, but that's not been the case. Low interest rates continue to make agricultural land an attractive investment. In addition to lower interest rates and a lower turnover of agricultural land, individuals, large-scale investors, estates, trusts, and other institutional owners continue to invest in farmland. Other factors likely bolstering land values and cash rents are market facilitation program payments designed to help farmers recover from retaliatory tariffs and ad hoc disaster aid to help producers impacted by wildfires, hurricanes, and flooding in recent years. Farmers receiving this aid are more likely to hold on to cash rental agreements. I'm Gary Joyner, and this is your Texas Agriculture Minute. As the panhandle corn season moves into harvest, it's shaping up to be a year of widely varying results, both out in the field and on the ledger. James Hunt reports from Amarillo. Analyzing the panhandle situation, David Gibson of Texas Corn Producers says cash prices are ranging from about 20 cents above the December futures price all the way up to about 40 cents above. Those areas that are in the 40 cents per bushel over December are Depending on their yields, pretty close to a break-even kind of price. Those that are in that 20 cents or less are probably looking at some pretty significant losses. Gibson says the wide disparity in prices seems to be tied, at least in part, to location, with, for example, better prices going to farms located closer to feedlots. Location will also likely be reflected in yields. Drought has been an issue throughout the panhandle, but some areas, particularly to the north, began getting some rain about mid-season. Gibson looks for the region's yields to be about average overall, taking into account the harvest will turn out much better in some areas than in others. In Amarillo, I'm James Hunt for the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texas sorghum is now moving out of the port of Brownsville. Omaha-based West Plains LLC loaded its first vessel of grain at the port since the group first purchased and began restoring the facility back in 2016. The 33,000 metric ton vessel is setting sail for China and is filled with Texas sorghum. In the coming weeks, three more Chinese ships will arrive at the South Texas port to load up on sorghum as part of sales made under the Phase 1 trade agreement. It's been a down year for hay production in East and Central Texas. Jessica Domel has more. Most hay producers in East and Central Texas saw below average yields in their hay fields this year. According to Dr. Vanessa Courier Olson, forage specialist for the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service, many hay producers missed out on multiple cuttings this year due to weather or lower yields due to pasture conditions or pest infestations. In East Texas, the hay season started later than normal due to cooler temperatures in May. Then a dry spell set in. Most producers were able to get three cuttings, but 
Poyer Olson said many who got two cuttings may not get a third if it doesn't rain. McLennan County Extension agent Shane McClellan said in Central Texas it was too wet early in the season to clear ryegrass, which cost producers a cutting. He said drought may mean a poor final cutting. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dommel. The deadline is approaching to sign up for the coronavirus food assistance program. Tom Nicoletti visits with a USDA official about the deadline. The U.S. Department of Agriculture's Farm Service Agency is reminding farmers and ranchers that the deadline to apply for the coronavirus food assistance program known as CFAP is this Friday, September 11th. This program provides direct relief to producers who faced price declines and additional marketing costs due to COVID-19. For more information, we go to Richard Fordyce. He is the administrator of the Farm Service Agency. We catch up with him in Bethany, Missouri, near Kansas City. And uh, Richard, tell us about this program and why it's important that farmers need to uh, meet this deadline. The deadline to apply is Friday, September 11th. The initial funding for the program came about through the CARES Act that Congress passed and the president signed at the end of March. We went right to work to stand up the program and initiated sign-up on the 26th of May. So we added some commodities as we went along. We knew we had the data for the initial commodities that we announced. We knew we needed to solicit some additional data from the public and others and have time to analyze that data. And now, Tom, we are up to almost 200 different commodities across different livestock sectors, non-specialty crops, specialty crops. The latest include nursery plants, cut flowers, a number of species of aquaculture that are eligible for CFAPs. Lots of producers are eligible. Texas alone, we have gotten applications and paid over 44,000 producers more than $560 million. So certainly very active in Texas. Richard FSA offers uh, several options for farmers and ranchers to apply for CFAP. A call center, a website, contacting uh, the local office. Talk about those. Because of our operating status, some offices open, some offices open in different phases. We knew we had to provide options for producers. And so number one would be, as you mentioned, the website, farmers.gov slash CFAP. At that website, producers will find frequently asked questions, uh, a lot of information about eligible commodities. But what's really neat is there is an application generator on that website where producers can put their numbers in. It literally generates the application, and then there's an option there then to transmit that to a local county office. We do have a call center that stood up first time again, first time we've done this. In the agency, producers can reach that call center at 877-508- 8364. That's 877-508-8364. In the call center, folks can either answer questions, they can help producers work through the application. And then obviously, our traditional way of dealing with producers is at our local county office. That's going to be where you're going to find that local expert that understands the program. And certainly, I know a lot of your producers in Texas, they know where those those local farm service agency offices are. They're very familiar with working with them. So that's an option as well. From Bethany, Missouri, that is Richard Fordyce. He is the administrator of USDA's Farm Service Agency. I'm Tom Nicolotti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is considering a proposal that would add seven species to the controlled exotic aquatic species list. I'm Jessica Dommel. I'll have more on Texas Ag Today. And it seems like horses can always find a way to cut themselves. 
Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd takes a look at wound care on horses coming up next on Texas Ag Today. When we moved to Texas, we were like fish out of water. We didn't know anyone in our neighborhood until our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent came to the house. She was so helpful and reassuring, a friendly face with that Texan hospitality I'd heard about. When we purchased a Texas Farm Bureau insurance policy, we knew we were making the right choice. We knew our family would be protected. Visit Texas Farm Bureau insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an insurance agent who's a true neighbor. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. It seems like horses can always find a way to cut themselves. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd takes a look at wound care on horses. Equine wounds are common, and they don't always happen when you have medical supplies. However, you can still clean the wound, and a recent study in humans looked at the best option when cleaning wounds, sterile saline or tap water. Historically, cleaning the wound with high-pressure sterile saline using a large syringe and a large-gauge needle has been the recommended method of cleaning wounds. However, if sterile saline is not available, it has been shown that regular tap water is effective and safe in cleaning superficial wounds, and that pressure from a garden hose with a finger over the end to make a light spray provides sufficient pressure to clean a wound. You would not want to use a high-pressure nozzle as it could damage tissue, but tap water was shown to decrease bacterial contamination prior to suturing. Another advantage, especially in horses that may be painful, is the ability to clean the wound from a distance with a water hose versus having to get very close to the wound with a syringe and needle. Use of a water hose may be the best you can do if you're unable to contact a veterinarian to sedate the horse. So in most cases, cleaning the wound with tap water or saline is all that should be done until your veterinarian examines the wound. Lots of folks reach for iodine solutions, hydrogen peroxide, disinfectants, antibiotic creams and products to stop bleeding, and all of these can damage tissue, and application of these products may prevent your vet from suturing the wound, if suturing is possible. If the wound is bleeding, Most wounds will stop bleeding by just applying steady pressure with your hand or a tight wrap. One tip is if you have a leg wound on your horse bleeding profusely, apply a thin wrap to protect the wound and then get a small flat rock off the ground and apply it directly over the bleeding artery for extra pressure and then wrap tightly with a cotton wrap until the bleeding has stopped. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is considering a proposal that would add seven species to the Controlled Exotic Aquatic Species list. Jessica Domel has more. To protect aquatic species in Texas and our ecosystems, the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is considering a proposal that would add seven species to the controlled exotic species list. Monica McGarity, TPWD Senior Scientist for Aquatic Invasive Species Management for the Inland Fisheries Division, said the proposal includes the golden mussel. Although this species is not yet present in the U.S., it's widely seen as an imminent risk that could be introduced via ocean-going vessels, become established, and spread. These are highly similar to zebra mussels in their ecology and their impacts, but they also have the ability to withstand higher temperature and higher salinity. Four fish, the stone morocco, European perch, a mere sleeper, and Wells catfish are included in the proposal. 
If added to the controlled exotic species list, federal protections against the transport of these non-native aquatic species would be restored in Texas. Two aquatic plants are also listed in the proposal. We're proposing to add two closely related plants, crested and yellow floating hearts, to this list. These are species that have been recently introduced in Texas and have already become established and problematic in a few locations, requiring active management. We consulted with researchers with the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers regarding the availability of these species in the ornamental pond trade in Texas. The researchers reported that they have not encountered these species in the trade in Texas during their efforts to obtain research specimens. TPWD is accepting comments on the proposal through Monday, November 9th. You can comment on the regulations page on the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department website. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. Well, the markets were closed on Labor Day, so we have a holiday-shortened week, and the cattle market started the trading week out on a positive note. We'll take a look at all of the cattle, cotton, grain, and energy markets coming up next on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau Insurance has protected fellow Texans with auto, home, health, and life insurance since 1952. With more than 260,000 square miles of land and 27 million people, that's a lot to cover. Whether you're wrangling cattle or wrangling kids, we're proud to protect Texans in all Texan ways of life. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to get insurance for Texans by Texans. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. We kicked off the trading day on Tuesday. Cattle futures were higher out of the gate and stayed higher all day long. We ended up closing higher in both live and feeder cattle. Here's a rundown of the prices. October live cattle up $1.32, 105.77. December up $1.65, 11012. February live cattle up a dollar fifty-two at one thirteen ninety-seven. Same thing in feeder cattle. October feeders up a dollar thirty-five, one thirty-nine eighty-five. November feeder cattle up a dollar twenty at one forty seventy-two. Moving over to the cash markets, no Fed cattle sales to report so far as we get the week started a day late. We did sell cattle last week in a range of one hundred two to one hundred five. That one hundred five coming up in the Midwest. The one hundred two down here in Texas. Dressed sales up north one sixty two to one sixty five. Feeder cattle auctions. Of course, the holiday yesterday, so we didn't have very many auctions to report. However, we do have a report out of Live Oak Livestock Auction in Three Rivers. They sold on Monday 591 head. The trend was steady to higher. Two to 300 pound steers, $1.48 to $1.88. Three to four weights, $1.34 to $1.84. Four to 500 pound steers, $1.26 to $1.76. Five to six weights, $1.14 to $1.48. With six to seven weight steers bringing a dollar eight to a dollar thirty two a pound. Slaughter cows thirty four to sixty six cents. Slaughter bulls seventy two to ninety. Stocker cows five hundred twenty five to eleven twenty five a head. Cow calf pairs brought eight hundred to twelve hundred a pair. Navasota livestock in Navasota selling on Saturday. They sold nine hundred ninety one head. The trend was steady to higher. Two to three weight steers a dollar to a dollar ninety a pound. 
Three to four weights, a dollar to a dollar seventy-five. Four to five weight steers, a dollar to a dollar seventy. Five to six weights, a dollar to a dollar forty-seven. With six to seven weight steers bringing ninety to a dollar twenty-six a pound. Slaughter cows, twenty-five to sixty-two cents. Slaughter bulls, sixty to eighty-one. Stocker cows brought six hundred to eleven hundred fifty ahead. Checking the cotton market, we're seeing the same factors pressuring prices that we were seeing at the end of last week. The U.S. stock market falling, massive profit-taking on the NASDAQ, as well as a rising U.S. dollar, all combining to pressure the cotton market lower. We ended up closing with October cotton down 93 points, 63.19. December cotton down 49, it's 64.50. Those same factors pressuring the wheat market also. December wheat down 3 cents, 4.69 and a half. New crop July wheat down 2, 4.94 and a half. The corn market closed higher. December corn up three and three quarters, 361 and three quarters. The energy markets dropping lower. October natural gas down 20 cents, 238. October crude oil down 293, 36.84 a barrel. Well, that wraps up a look at the markets, and that wraps up this episode of Texas Ag Today. Thanks so much for joining us. Be sure to subscribe and don't miss an episode. We'll see you right back here tomorrow for the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.